that. Great job on that story, Kate. It's been uh, a privilege to get to know Kate and be a part of uh, just, we're in the same group together, so it's been a lot of fun. We are in a series today talking about uh, our values here at the church. Uh, we are calling it I Heart North Church, and we're going to conclude that today. We've talked about relationships being at the core. We also talked about creativity. We talked about teamwork. Today, I want to just share this really simple acronym, BLESS, with you, because we want to talk about how do we walk this stuff out? How do we take the things that God has done in us, the blessings he's given to us, the way that he's poured out his unmerited favor on our lives, his grace, we've experienced his unconditional love, we've been forgiven of our sin. And all of those amazing blessings, and rather than hoarding those things, rather than just celebrating those and being glad that it's happened to me, how do we give that away? How do we invest our life in other people in such a way that others are blessed as well? For me, uh, the blessing that poured into my life started... Uh, when I was 19 years old by this particular lady, Joe Nelson. And uh, Joe was, she's passed away now, um, but she was a retired nurse, just a plain, normal person. And she opened up her home to me. She shared of her life. She listened to my stories. We ate meals. She served and uh, she had that opportunity at the end of an entire summer to share her experience with the love of God with me, and it changed my life. And because of that, many other people's lives have changed as well. Who knows what God can do with your life, with one life, one ordinary life that's dedicated to be a missional person, to give your life away to somebody else, to give that life of Christ away to someone else. So that's what I want to talk about today. On your way in, you received this particular card uh, that uh, we use in Rooted. If you've been through Rooted, you know about this particular card. And uh, we use the acronym BLESS because God has blessed us to be a blessing to other people. And God is, uh, we see that in the life of Abraham. If you'll remember Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. He was that first one that God gave this covenant to, this blessing, blessing covenant. And God blessed him, and it says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth. Now, how would that happen through Abraham so many years ago? Well, it happens because that was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ coming to this earth, God's one and only son. That when Jesus came and he hung on the cross, he died for our sin, he opened up the pathway to have friendship with God, to be reconciled back to God, and through that, now, our lives are blessed as well. And so we are blessed to be a blessing, just like Abraham. Abraham was sent. You are sent. 
Jesus sends us to go into all the world to make disciples and to proclaim his name to all people. It's not by anything we've done to earn it or merit it. It's not because we're great people. We're not. We're ordinary people. We're broken people. We're often sinful people. But Jesus calls us, blesses us, and then says, I want you to be a blessing as well to others. So let me break this down for you. Um, for those maybe who, who you've always looked at yourself as a recipient of God's grace, but you have a hard time giving it out. Maybe vocalizing that. You don't want to be awkward. And I, I commend you for not wanting to be awkward. There's a lot of awkward attempts at sharing our faith. And, uh, you know, it all revolves around relationship. It all revolves around making investments in people's lives. And it's not just about pronouncing something that God has done. It's about loving people right where they're at, just in the same way that God loved us first. So we're going to start with the B, which is actually prayer. Begin with prayer. I know this breaks every acronym rule for those of you who are English majors. You're like, that's not a true acronym. Well, begin with prayer. Prayer. That's where every important thing starts, is in praying for other people, in prayer. Prayer is powerful. It's mighty to the tearing down of strongholds. And let me guarantee you that whoever it is that you care about in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, someone in your high school, somebody at your workplace, if you care about them and they're far from God and they need to make their way back to God, there's a battle going on over their life. There's a battle over their soul. The scripture teaches us that. That our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and darkness in high places. Prayer is what intercedes in all of that. It paves the way for the work of God to happen. It softens hearts. It opens up conversations. And it changes circumstances. Pray. What I want to invite you to do right now is I, I, I'm almost certain because in our community, 14 uh, to 16 percent of the of the community goes to church and ex has a relationship with Jesus Christ. About 85 percent does not. That tells me that everyone in this room, we have people that still need to know God, that they need to find their way back to God, and you know who they are. And so I want to invite you right now just to write down somebody's name that you care about that's nearby, okay? Nearby, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. We all have people far away that we care about and you pray for, and I'm glad you do. Continue to do that. But I want to talk about making an investment in a relationship with a person today. So would you just spend a moment, give you a, give you a minute to do that? There's several lines here on the back of this as I'm praying for. I just want you to fill one line out, put one name down, so you have that person with you as we go through the rest of this talk. Go ahead and do that right now. Jesus, when he was selecting his very first disciples. He went out to the mountain to pray, and he prayed all night. He continued in prayer to God, and when then day had come, he called his disciples, and he chose from them the twelve. 
Jesus didn't just randomly invest his life. He listened to the Father. He prayed. And if Jesus would pray for where he should make investments in, in relationships, I think we should as well. He interceded for people. He called, out, he called them out by name. God calls us to be people of prayer. So let's pray for those that we want to reach. Let's start with prayer. Let's pray all the way through because that's what really opens up those doors. I remember Tisa's sister, Melissa. Uh, she's coming out here soon. For, Tisa and her are going to do a half marathon here in Spokane together. So we were talking. I was thinking about her as, as I was preparing this message and just thinking about when we were in Costa Rica, we lived there. Our kids were little at the time. And uh, Melissa was in Dallas and she kind of hated her life at that time. She had been a hellion all the way through high school and college. She had graduated college. She was a fitness trainer, living with her boyfriend, partying every weekend. And she was just at that place where none of it meant anything anymore. It was just dissatisfying. And so she calls us up and she says, I want to come out, come, come to Costa Rica, come down to Central America, hang out with the monkeys and bananas and just be with you guys. And so we said, okay. And we had been praying for her as many others that knew her and loved her. And we knew that God had opened up this door of this opportunity for her to get away from her normal patterns and her normal daily life and her boyfriend and come down and hang out with us for a couple weeks. Well, the very next thing that happened as she was down there is she began to just tell us her story, tell us everything that was going on in her life. And that's the second part of this acronym is listening listening to people, listening to their story before you ever share yours. Just inviting them to, to, to treat you as a safe place where they can share their life. Jesus did this all the time as he invited people into his life. He was a listener. He asked questions. He spent time with people. You'll remember the time when there was a blind man sitting by the road begging Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what it meant. Jesus, the Nazarene, is passing by. Everybody around him told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those in front of him said, quit being so awkward. Be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40 says, Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he drew near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? See, this blind man was poor. He was ignored by society. He was dysfunctional. He was socially awkward. He didn't get any of the cues. Probably a difficult person to be around. He's yelling at the top of his lungs. And people are telling him, shut up, shut up, shut up. You see, people all around you have a story. You might not hear them crying out, you might not hear them with your ears, but if you'll listen with your heart, you'll hear people have story. They have brokenness. They're crying out for someone to care, someone to stop, someone to listen, someone to ask questions. And sure, we live in, we live in a marketplace where it's all about competition and you put your best foot forward and we put on our pretenses and we want to make sure that everybody thinks we have it all together. But if you lift up the hood, you'll see that underneath we're all broken. We're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of mercy. We're all in need of Jesus. And we all need to be heard. And someone would stop and listen. Who is it this week that God would want you to stop 
and listen. Who is it that you can listen to their story? It begins by praying. And then we listen. We ask questions. Melissa came down to Costa Rica, spent time. We listened to her story. She was having some fun, at least on the weekends. But overall, her life was burning out. She was confused. She wasn't happy. She was dissatisfied. She was searching. And it was just during those times that we had to listen to her story, to let her pour her heart out, and to ask her questions. And then, the next letter is E. And this is my favorite one, eat. I love to eat. Eating is such a, a pivotal part of building relationships with people, blessing people, being able to share the love of God with others. See, we think that sharing God's love and his story means that it's this awkward encounter where we've got to somehow find the words and we've got to quickly tell people about the message of God rather than sharing our lives with people inviting them in, listening to them, praying for them, eating with them. The, one of the reasons I love eating is because I normally eat at least three times every day, sometimes six or seven. And so by inviting people into that rhythm of my life, it's nothing new I have to do. It doesn't take any extra time out of your schedule. It's just in, it's being intentional to invite those who are far from God to be with you, to listen to them, to eat with them, to sit down with them. Jesus did this all of the time. One notable story is when Matthew became a Christ follower and he was so overwhelmed by the blessings of God that he had been forgiven and loved and unconditionally loved by Jesus. And so he calls a party together and he, he throws a party, he has food, he brings people over to his house. His house is filled with people who are far from God, sinners and tax collectors, and Jesus eats and drinks with them. And of course, what does he get accused of? Being a glutton and a drunkard. And he just hung out with the people that he came to save, to love, serve. I remember when we were in Costa Rica, Melissa was shocked one particular day. She'd been down there about a week or 10 days. We made this big meal probably like arroz con pollo and chips and, you know, uh, guacamole. And, and I, I said, hey, would you like a beer? And she was, like, shocked. She thought it was a test, like a litmus test of her holiness. <laughs> and, like, she said, yes, something was going to be wrong. And so she said, I don't know. Are, are, are you? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. And uh, she said, okay. She was super skeptical. Now, maybe part of that had to do with her upbringing in a super hyper-conservative church. She was in, you know, Tyler, Texas is a dry county. Those of you who live in the Northwest, you don't even know what dry means. You think, I'm talking about weather. I'm not. It was like prohibition times. You know, you had to cross the county line to go anywhere if you wanted to get a beer or wine. And, and so it just freaked her out that someone would just be real and eat some guacamole and some chips and have a beer with her. Now, I'm not telling you to go drink, okay? Some of you are processing this. <laughs> I'm asking you to go eat with people. I'm just sharing a story with you. 
that it opened up the opportunity to deepen the relationship. When we ate together, there's something powerful that happens around a meal, that happens around a table, that happens when we level the playing field and we just open up our lives to one another. Share food with people. Who is it this week that you will bring with you to go eat a meal? Bring with you to go have a cup of coffee. Who is it this week that you'll do that with? The next letter here is serve. S, serve the person. It's when we're praying for people, we're listening to their story, we're inviting them in to meals, we're eating with them, that many times practical needs will surface through that, where just it's a need they have, not necessarily one that you have. Maybe it's fixing a roof, building a fence, watching a child while they go to the doctor, teaching them guitar, cleaning a house, offering a ride to work. So many different simple ways to just get out of our own comfort zone and serve them. Serve people, people who are far from God. Did Jesus ever do that? All of the time. Fed people, he healed people, he washed stinky feet. He even made water into wine and solved the crisis of a party. Shared that with you a couple weeks ago. Did he do it for people who were grateful, thankful, appreciative? No, he did it for people like you and me. Broken people, sinful people, people that often overlook his blessings. Jesus was always serving others and people rarely thanked him for it. Do you only serve when you're thanked? Do you only keep up a sustained act of serving someone as long as you sense they're appreciating it? See, people are not projects. People are people made in, his, made in God's image to, to build into, to share the love of God with, agape love, a love that's not looking out for my needs or making sure I'm thanked or making sure they're, appreciate, they're appreciating everything I'm doing. It's just serving in the love of God out of the attitude of humility. That takes God to do that, doesn't it? When Melissa was down in Costa Rica, we not only gave her room and board and all of that, but we, one of the ways we served her while she was down there is we were connected to this college and we kind of hooked her up with all of these single guys and girls where she began to make relationships with other Christ followers and it began to break down her attitude and her mentality of what it was to be a Christian. So many people think Christians are just boring, people who don't know how to fun, people who are just like religious, either zealots or hypocrites. And she was able to actually see how real they were, how authentic they were, how fun they were. And one of the ways that we were able to serve her was just in kind of connecting those relationships together. It's so cool to see what transpired through that. And then after you've prayed for them, and after you've listened to them, and after you've eaten with them, and after you've served them, then you have that opportunity to share your story. That's the last S. Share your story. When I say your story, what I really mean is God's story. I hope he's the hero of your story. 
Because the story isn't all about me. Now let me just gush on you about me. The story is about God and how he intervened in my life and how he took this person broken and sinful. He loved me and saved me and drew me to himself. He's the hero of our story. And it's after those things that we, we care for people that people then are more interested in listening. And it's important that we use words. See, just being good people is not good enough because people might just think you're just a good person. Hooray for you. We, it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. We give voice to that gospel. God wants us to learn how and get good at sharing our story, the story of God in our lives, the story of his grace, where he's the hero in other people's lives. And be bold, humbly bold. Not arrogantly bold, humbly bold. And you'd be surprised how open people are when you've built a relationship with them. That's why I wanted you to write down the name of somebody who is nearer to you rather than far away. We all have people we're praying for that live in different states and we try to kind of continue to connect with them. But what I'm inviting you to do, what I'm challenging you to do is to build a relationship, build relationships with people. It takes time. We eat meals, we listen, we serve. We pray for them. And then we have that opportunity to share our story with them. Two things I want to leave you with, and then we'll be done here. First, let me just finish by telling you Melissa's story, is that um, one morning, actually at 1 a.m., in the morning, middle of the night, she wakes up. She's in Costa Rica. God had been working on her heart. She knocks on our door, and she comes in, and she says, I'm wide awake. I've had five cups of coffee. We're like, well, no wonder you're wide awake. Costa Rica has strong coffee. She's like, no, I've had five cups of coffee. I'm wide awake, but I, I can't go to sleep because I can't stop thinking about what it means to be a Christ follower. I want to be a Christian. What do I do? How do I do that? And we had the opportunity at 1 in the morning her on her five cups of coffee to pray with her. And she became a Christian in that moment because becoming a Christian is not being good enough. It's not by doing enough good deeds for others. It's not by being religious. It's not by going to church. It's not by reading your Bible. It's simply by recognizing that God sent his son to this earth to die for me. And I place my faith in him, the son of God. And I ask forgiveness for sin. And I receive him. That's it. She did that. And her entire life changed in that moment. You see, God is already at work in people's lives. That's what I want you to remember about God. That as you bless other people, God is already there. He's already at work. He was at work in Melissa's life before we ever entered the scene. He cares more about your friend or that person in your school or that person at work than you will ever care about. God is drawing people to himself. He's at work. He's using circumstances and people. He's already there. He's seeking after them. God's the first seeker. Ezekiel 34 says this about God. 
He says, I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. See, Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He's a 24-7 God, and he's seeking you out. And I just have to say this, this morning, that maybe somebody invited you here, and if you're here this morning and you feel distant or you feel lost, you're distant from God, I want to I remind you, God is looking for you, even when you're not looking for him. And in fact, he's putting people in your path. And maybe you think, well, I was invited by somebody to this church today, and that's why I'm here. Actually, you're here because God brought you here. He's pulling you to himself. So listen to his promptings. Consider who he is. Yield your life to him. This could be the best day of your life. The second thing I want to leave you with about God is this. He's responsible for the results. Jesus said, no one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's the Father, it's the Holy Spirit draws people to himself. You don't save anybody. I can't make anybody want God or, or give their life to God. All of that is God's work in their life. But God wants to use us. I don't know why. I don't get it. I look around, I go, why us, God? Why would you use imperfect, broken people like us, but he does. He invites us into his plan. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll remember it, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what? You will receive power to be my witnesses. To where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, to Spokane, Ritzville, Seattle, and all around the world. We are called to be his witnesses. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. Now, every one of us is a witness. You may be a good witness, you might be a bad witness. You may be an effective witness or an ineffective witness. You might be joy-filled witness, you might be a sourpuss witness. But it's God's job to lead people. You are his witness. He knows how to handle the sin-stained condition of your friend, and he loves them more than you or I ever could. He calls us to just bless other people, to bless them, and to leave the results up to God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your amazing grace in our lives, that we are the recipients of forgiveness, the recipients of grace. Jesus, you came for me before I ever was looking for you. And God, we just want to say out of hearts that are filled with gratitude. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. And I just want to pray for you if you're here and you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit drawing you to God. That's because he's a God who seeks you out to bind up your heart, to forgive your sin and to give you a future with hope. If that's you, I invite you to open your heart, yield yourself to him in this moment. Place your trust in what he did on the cross for you. Pray this prayer along with me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I wanna know what it's like to have that relationship with you, God. 
God, I trust you that you died on the cross for me, that you are God's one and only son. And I place my faith in you today. Forgive my sin. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Change the course and the direction of my life in this moment, I pray. Friend, if that was your prayer, God is at work in you, changing you from the inside out. Lord God, I pray for every one of us who have experienced your blessing, God, that you will help us be blessers. Help us see that this is part of our calling as a Christian to make disciples, to invest our life into other people outside the family of faith. To care for those who are far from you and who need to make their way back to you. Lord, change our hearts and help us invest relationships in those that you care for, love, and die for. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was amazing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Will you stand with me? You, you know what this makes? It makes a really good airplane. It could make a really good basketball, shoot it into the can, or if we choose... It can make an amazing reminder of the mission God's given us to be a blessing to others, to pray, to listen, to eat, to serve, and to share. So I want to bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, and I want to, I want to ask that you go out as sent ones on mission for Christ to bless others. Have a great week. We'll see you back next week.